Well, good morning, moms and dads. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said, when I watched that video, I was like, holy cow, man, there's a lot of truth to that from a man's perspective. Uh, there's something special about a woman, the way God created uh, you guys, uh, that I don't, I'm not so sure men really grasp at times, and that's okay to say amen, all right? Uh, we definitely thank you. We definitely thank, the, thank God that he's placed uh, you guys within our lives and uh, to help us be better, better individuals, and just thank you for your perspective. So we pray that you have a great Mother's Day today, and just continue to be the godly influence that you are. It doesn't matter if you're technically a mom or not. We just appreciate all of the all of you females because we, you, everyone has the opportunity to influence someone, and that's really what it's about: is influencing someone with with a godly perspective. Uh, one more thing I want to share with you that's very exciting too. Uh, last Easter, we raised money around twenty five thousand dollars to buy a service dog for a uh, a child by the name of Veta, and here's a picture of her with her new service dog that is in her home. So um, I, this is a huge celebration. Uh, you may think, well, it took a long time. It definitely takes a long time. Uh, this isn't something where you can just get down to Lenaway County Society and pick yourself up a service dog, but there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, there's a lot of training that takes place. Dog literally has to kind of latch on. Uh, to your scent, and so I believe with her there was a dog that you, what they do is they those of you that may be f- uh, unfamiliar with it. By the way, she has type one, is that correct? Type one diabetes, uh, which is very severe. Um, uh, if you're familiar with that, and so uh, they have to send in a scent, and then they, as they're training dogs, they try to find the dog that will pick up on specifically their scent and kind of latch onto it. And so it's a process. And so uh, this is her new dog, and she she is the dog's at home with uh, uh, Veda. And as I shared with you not too long ago, uh, when they were kind of doing that test trial thing with the with the dog, uh, they were just uh, both of them are super excited. Uh, she would uh, Veda, Veda would get very excited, and the dog would uh, alert to it. You know the chemical change within her, and so it's just super exciting to see um, how. We kind of partnered with them to, to make a difference and provide hope uh, within this family. So now this is just a huge, huge praise and a huge thank you for those of you that participated in that uh, Easter offering uh, to, to make something like this very special. So it definitely is going to have very profound implications for, for her and her family. So thank you once again. We are in this series um, called uh, kind of the War Room. And we've asked you to be a part of a group. Hopefully you're a part of a group that's taking what you hear uh, on, on, on the weekends and taking a little bit deeper. Um, if you're not plugged in the group, hopefully you're doing something. Hopefully you watch the movie at some point. Again, it's a tool. There's nothing magical about it. We're not promoting it and elevating it to the level of the scriptures. So, uh, but it's something that is very, very powerful in drawing our attention, drawing our awareness to, to, to prayer. And so uh, the past few weeks, you've heard about being lukewarm as it affects our prayer life, you know, and, and taking our spiritual temperature, you know, and how, you know, what does your spiritual temperature look like today? Uh, and so we talked about talked about that whole concept of lukewarmness last week. Jeff, I think, thank him so much for coming and, and sharing the message on accountability. Accountability is another one of those things that can uh, I don't know about you, but accountability can have a very negative connotation to me. Uh, a lot of times when, when I've heard accountability or when someone wants to uh, be in an accountability relationship with me, it's more let me tell you what's wrong with your life 
and you work on those things. I don't think that's true accountability. I think that's more micromanagement. I think true accountability is where you have this that have this really dynamic relationship with someone else that says, hey, I've got your back and I love you. And, and if I see something, I want to, you know, we're going to lean into each other's lives and we're going to help each other grow on this journey because it's difficult. And we want to stay encouraged and, and we're going to catch each other's blind spots and we're going to help grow in the faith. To me, that's accountability. That's, you know, that's uh, truly journeying and navigating together. Today, we're going to talk about living in God's grace, uh, living in the gospel uh, of God's grace. And so uh, with that, uh, each of these definitely hits home when it comes to our prayer lives. Uh, if, if we're just kind of lukewarm, just kind of going about this, uh, kind of just fence riding it, you know, that's certainly going to affect our prayer life, even if we have one. Uh, if we don't have a sense of accountability within our lives where someone's kind of helping us uh, point out those blind spots, it can certainly uh, have a, a, a very profound implications upon our prayer lives. Uh, and living in the grace, uh, or living in the gospel of God's grace is another one that, that, uh, certainly affects our prayer lives because it really affects our position, our posture as we go in to talk about, as we go in to pray. And so, uh, in 2 Peter, this is what he writes to his, um, his, um, listeners, uh, his audience, and he says this, but grow in the grace, okay? This is, uh, uh, seems to be uh, not something like a suggestion, but more than a suggestion. Where he's saying it to, to the people that are following in the teachings of Jesus Christ. He's saying this, grow in the grace. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter's saying, if you're a Christian, if you're someone's following Christ, if someone, you know, if you're saying that, that I believe that Jesus is who's going, who gives eternal life and, and not just eternal life, but life and life to the fullest, then grow in that. Grow in it. It's not some where you stay lukewarm. It's not something where you say, well, I've arrived and so now I'm okay. And we just kind of sit down. We kind of stop. Um, that's where the accountability comes in, right? Someone that loves us kind of uh, navigating with us. But, but, but there's this process. There's this grow. We're growing. We're, we're trans, we're continually being transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We're growing in His grace. Now, when I read that, grow in the grace of, um, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, my question then would be, okay, how, how, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, and, and this whole concept of spiritual growth. What does it mean to grow spiritually? You know, what does that look like? How do I determine that? What are the benchmarks that I use? What is it to where I can say, well, I, you know, as I look at my life, that I can say, well, I am growing. I see where I've had some growth. Again, that's where accountability can help out, where you have someone that's navigating with you, where they're coming along and you're encouraging one another and you're sharing, you know, these movements that's taking place and you're celebrating those. But but this whole concept of spiritual growth. Now, let me share with you a, a few concepts about spiritual growth, because if we're not all on the same page, this can really have uh, um, a, a diverse or adverse implication upon our spiritual lives. Uh, it's kind of like being a mom, right, in a sense. Uh, you can be a mom by just having a child, right? You're now a mother. You're now a father. Uh, technically speaking, that's how it can happen. But I don't know about you, but I think there's a huge difference in being a true mom and a true father, you know? Uh, not just a technical difference, but I'm talking about a true difference, you know, where I have someone in my life that's my mother, where she's taught me the, taught me about God. She's taught me about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it wasn't something that was just words, or it wasn't something that was legalistic. It was something that was breathed into me that says, this is life. This is what it's about. 
And so she leaned into me. And that's for me, she's a true mother, not just someone who gave birth and said, there you go, you know, fend for yourself. And we kind of see some of that taking place within our world. And I'm not judging people, but I'm just saying there's some things that take place in our, in our world where we say, wow, they're, they're certainly uh, a parent technically by the, by the term, but, but not really. And so kind of the same thing here. What does that growth look like? Uh, well, number one, it's not, it's not about, it's not about quantity. Okay? It's not about how many kids, well, I'm a great mom because I've got, you know, seven kids or whatever it is. Right? It's not about quantity. And, and that's what we can do in, uh, uh, in our spiritual lives. Where we can say, well, it's about quantity. Let me tell you how many times I go to church. Let me tell you how many times I went to Sunday school. Let me tell you about when I was a kid and I won the, the quiz, you know, the Bible quiz things, or how many church camps I've been to, or, you know, how much I tithe, or how many this, that, and the other. And we can kind of go down this list of things I've accomplished, things that I've done. Spiritual growth is not necessarily about quantity. It's more about quality. Am I truly growing? It's about how much. It's the quality of life. Am I truly experiencing the quality of life that Jesus said, you know, offers when He makes the statement, um, I've come to give life. Because He didn't say this. He didn't say, you know, I came to give you more rules. Jesus didn't show up and said, you know what, guys? You've got the law. And, and if we read and study the Old Testament, we know that God gave uh, the law to, to them to point to Jesus so that they would understand that there's no way that they could do anything to, to earn their salvation. That's really what the law was about. It, I mean, it shared who God was. It shared uh, the expectations of God. But it also set everything at a level that was like, there's no way that man could uh, attain to that. And so uh, it's not about it's not about how many times we do something. It's not about this 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 sense of I'm going to give you more rules. But Jesus came and said, I want to give you life and I want to give you life to the fullest. I don't know about you, but my ears perk up when I hear that. I don't need someone else to say, hey, I need to give you some more things to fail at. I need to give you some more things that you're not doing a really good job at. Some things where you really let the ball down. Oh, by the way, that guilt that you're feeling because you're not doing enough. Let me add and compound to that. I don't know about you, but that's the last thing that I want. But when Jesus came, the incarnate of God, God in flesh came, and He said, I've come, and I give you, I'm coming to give you life. And I'm going to give you life abundantly. I want to give you life to the fullest. And let's be honest, that's what every single person in here is searching for, is life to the fullest. The problem is, a lot of us can get derailed and deceived and distracted, and we're over here thinking, well, this is going to bring life to the fullest, and it just kind of compounds the problem uh, that we're trying to work through to begin with. But it's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about having this sense of quality to our lives where Jesus literally breathes into us and gives us this sense of quality. Listen to what uh, Paul says about spiritual growth. And this is what we're going to look at today as our text. But in, the concept, in, this, in this concept of growing in the grace, growing in the, the, the gospel of the grace of God, uh, is the, he says in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. And there's about three things in here you can pick up, okay? And see if you can pick them out. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So he made new or so be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you pick up on the three things? Take off the old, put on the new, transform your thinking. That's what it's all about. You want to grow spiritually? 
get rid of the old way of thinking. And we're going to talk about these three things. Strip away the old way of thinking. Okay? Get rid of the old way of thinking. Uh, put, take the old self off. The old self's not working. It's not bringing you life. It will never bring you life. It wasn't designed to bring you life. Get rid of it. Put it off. Put on what God has given you. This is what God, if you, I mean, look at it as, as clothing. Okay? Here's the clothes that God wants you to put on. Put this on. Put this on. This is what's going to bring new life. And then transform your thinking. You know, modify your thinking. Reprogram yourself. Reboot. Do whatever you need to. Uh, but again, this is all done in the grace of God. Now, real quick, before we get started, technically, I want to talk, I want to share with you, let's define gospel and let's define grace. Okay? When I was thinking about this whole, when I was thinking about this, this, you know, the concept of grace, how would you define grace? Just throw out a couple things loud so I can hear you. And let's just kind of get an idea of what grace is, what we're all thinking. How would you define grace? Unearned gift, getting something you don't deserve, that you don't deserve. What else? Empowerment. Okay. What favored? Dignity. Anything else? These are all good answers. I mean, it's not like I'm searching for that one goose egg, golden goose egg, right? Love. Anyone else? Now I'm gonna. Here's what I want to. <laughs> I want to confuse you all right now. Okay, <laughs> that's not what I want to do, but. I need you to track with me for a second. I was talking about this with Les, um, uh, my wife, yeah, last evening, and, and I was just I just been processing this whole concept of grace. And for me, grace you can't think of grace unless you think of something in the negative sense, right? That's how I view grace. For instance, if there wasn't something in the negative side, grace I, I want to say grace wouldn't exist in a sense. Okay. Now, what I mean by that is this. When are the times in our lives where we experience grace? Yeah, when we need forgiveness. When I'm speeding and I get pulled over and the guy says, the cop says, you know what? I'm just going to give you a warning. That's awesome. I just experienced grace. Okay? I've yet to have a cop pull me over. Hey, dude, you're going the speed limit and I want to give you a ticket for it. Okay? That doesn't really exist, does it? But it's usually something like that. How about when you're trying to pay a bill and something happens within your life and you can't meet the full bill, but yet they give you a what? Grace period. And you feel relieved, right? So, I mean, and, and you kind of work down through there. For me, when I think of grace, it's that. You know, it's back to that undeserved gift. It's back to that I've been given something that I don't deserve. You know, or I haven't been given something that I do deserve. If you, you kind of look at it that way, that's what, you know, grace is, is like that. Now, what, how do you describe the gospel? How would you define the gospel? When someone says, what's the gospel? How would you, what would you say? Good news. What else? Way of life. Okay. God's word. Truth. God's love. Anyone else? Salvation? Grace. This is where, this is very critical. It's been critical for 
ever, right? I mean, obviously, it's been critical for this is where it's very critical for us living in our world today. The gospel of Jesus Christ says this. There's no way that you can earn your way to heaven. Absolutely no way. And matter of fact, you're in a position right now to where if you would die separated from me, if you would die the way you've come into this world, you're going to be separated from me for eternity. You're going to live in a Christless eternity. If you literally believe in a heaven and a hell, people that, that uh, would die separated from the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, separated from him, would live in torment for eternity. That's what, that's how, that's what, that's kind of what the gospel means. But the gospel comes and says this. There's absolutely nothing you can do because Adam and Eve back here messed everything up. They chose to do that one thing that God said when He created everything. The one thing that He said don't do. You can have all of this. All of this is yours. Every single aspect of this is yours except for one thing. And what do we want? That one thing, right? And so they went after and they got that one thing and it separated mankind from God for eternity, right? There's no way to God. There's no restoring it. The relationship has been broken. There has been severance. There is a chasm. However you want to look at that. Mankind can never, ever get to God now. We are all going to die separated from God. But God in His loveness said, I'm going to sin. I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to do something here. Because you can't fix this, uh, Paul writes in Philippians 2 that Jesus humbled himself. He understood that this concept of getting to God, this concept, you know, with God the Father, and uh, there was this realization that there was no way that mankind could ever grasp God. And so he humbled himself and became man. He became a servant. Uh, and he died on the cross. He died on the cross for our offenses. He died on the cross for the things that you do that's not pleasing to God. That we do. That every single one of us. We have things within our lives that's not pleasing to God. Where our humanness takes over at times. And, and, and there's times where we don't want to do that kind of stuff, but it happens. And, and we're separated. And maybe in fellowship, if we have a relationship with Christ, you know, then. But if, if we don't have even a relationship with Christ, we're absolutely doomed. And Jesus says, understanding all this, God says, I love you so much that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide a way. And so He dies on the cross. And then God the Father says this, because my Son died on the cross and took every single one of your guys' sins and offenses and nailed it to the cross, now when I look at you, I look at you, if we have a relationship with Christ, I look at you through the blood of my Son. The right You have the righteousness of my Son now, who is perfect. You have the righteousness of my Son. That's how God the Father views us if we've received His grace and mercy. There's that word, grace again, right? So now we have salvation. Now through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of Him, we now, the good news is, we now have a way to God. We now don't have to live separated from Him for eternity. We don't have to live in eternal torment. But by just accepting this free gift, we can now be restored. Our relationship now can be restored. The Gospel of Jesus Christ says, this is all messed up, but I'm providing you a way that, 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 that you can be restored with God the Father. That's called good news. That's called, we don't have to die separated from Him if we receive that gift of mercy and grace that He offers us. That's the good news. Grace says, you don't earn that. There is nothing that you can do to earn this. There is nothing that you can do to earn your way to heaven. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church. It doesn't matter 
money you put in the in the collection plate, although that helps in different ways, right? Parentheses, parenthetically stating. But here's the issue. It has nothing to do with salvation. It might be fruit of your of your obedience to him, right? Because we believe those things are very are important to commune together, to tithe, to be in a small group, to grow, to worship, to evangelize. We believe those things are very important. They don't earn your way to heaven by any means. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that that enables us to be in heaven. The gospel says this is freely yours. You don't have to work at it. Paul says this, or Peter said, grow in that grace. Grow in that grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in it. Paul would write in Colossians, dig down, let your roots go down and, and, and grab a hold of this and grow up in the, in the grace of Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace of the gospel, the good news. Grow in it. Here's what can happen. Here's what I want to share with you. It's, it's the first thing that Paul says this. You got to take off the old. You got to take off the old. The old no longer can't. The old is done. The old never got you anywhere. In fact, if the old got you somewhere, it was going to be in the exact, exact opposite of where you really want to go. The antithesis of it all. And Paul says this. You got to take it off. You gotta get rid of it. You gotta take it off, which means this. Trying to do, now again, these things can have positive merits in a sense. But when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the good news, these things don't hold a candle. Trying to grow by doing good doesn't work. Okay? I hope you're tracking with me. Don't date, don't doze, don't do anything. Because you're, because you're gonna leave here and you're gonna think, that guy is preaching heresy. You gotta tune in. You gotta listen, okay? But trying to do good doesn't cut it. We could say, well, I'm just, I'm doing all these good things. We, and we've heard it. We've heard it before. We say, you know, and we've seen it too. We see people that doesn't have a, a relationship with God and they are much more lo- uh, loving than some of the people we know that are Christians. And we scratch our heads and we're like, how is that possible? How is it possible that this person over here that could be an atheist or someone that denies God or, or an agnostic at best or whatever, they're loving people more than the people I know that's in church? How is that possible? But the issue is this. When you compare those individuals, not to one another, but when you compare those individuals to the righteousness of Christ, that it all falls short, right? Doing good doesn't cut it against the righteousness of God. Are we tracking with me? I'm not feeling comfortable. <laughs> Track with me, okay? Listen to this. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 9, 17, neither do men pour new, talking about the same concept, neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Jesus is saying, you're a new creature. Uh, like Paul said, you're a new creation. You're a new creature. And so Paul says, or Jesus says, you gotta have a new wineskin. The old's not gonna, the old is done. Take it off. The old is done. It can't contain what God wants to give us. It's going to come up short every single time. And so this concept of trying to do good, doesn't it doesn't hold water. Keeping rules doesn't hold water, right? Now, continue to track with me. Keeping rules doesn't do it as well. Hebrews 13.9 says this. Your hearts, listen to the author of Hebrews 13.9. Your hearts should be strengthened by God's grace. Not by obeying rules. Okay? Rules are important. Absolutely. I don't think God's a God of anarchy. Rules are important. The new, the Old Testament, the law, the Ten Commandments are still important. 
But that's not what gets us salvation. That's not what really helps us to grow in the grace. The gospel is what helps us to grow in the grace of God. And so it's not about doing, uh, not about just obeying rules, but it's by being strengthened by and growing in God's grace. Rules cannot produce growth on their own. So Paul says this, take off the old. Take off the old. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about Christ living inside of us, transforming us, uh, having a new wineskin. The second one is this. Put on the new. Take off the old. Put on the new. That's the promise of those who are in Christ Jesus now, where we've trusted Christ with our lives. We're putting on the new. We're saying His righteousness is what's going to, to, to enable me to have a relationship with God the Father. His righteousness. And so we, we take on that new, which means we don't achieve this new life on our own. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus has done on the cross. We don't have to achieve our, this new life. We don't have to keep, um, we don't have to even keep this new life. It's all in Christ. Christ is the one that, that uh, keeps it and, and, uh, we can trust in that. Listen to what Paul says to the Colossians in chapter three, verse three. He says, your old sinful self has died and your new life is kept in Christ, in God. And the third thing is this. We don't have to put uh, or, or we do put on this new life. We put this new life on. We clothe ourselves uh, with this new life. So, again, this is a constant decision on a daily basis. Who this is where it becomes very practical in us in our walk with Christ. Do we truly understand that we're a new creation? Do I truly understand that I'm no longer this person over here? Do I truly understand on a daily basis when I'm tempted to lash out at my kids, when I'm tempted to lash out at my wife, when I'm tempted to lash out at that guy that just pulled out in front of me and about killed me, am I ready to go and just take his head off? You know, those types of things. I mean, name whatever it is. It's living in a, on a daily basis to say, this is who I am now. I'm not that person anymore. I am tempted by this. This over here, this old self, like Paul said, man, it's always, there's times where I just constantly do what I don't want to do, and I struggle with that. There's a war going on, as he talks about it, inside of us. The old and the new, they're battling each other. But who do I give credence to? Which side of this, of this spiritual, or this life of mine do I give the, the attention and the credence to? Is it the new life that says, I'm going to be a forgiving person. I'm going to, I want to live in, in harmony with the Holy Spirit. I want to rely upon the Holy Spirit to enable me to, 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 to be a forgiving person, to be a loving person, to be a person that lifts people up, not tears them down. You know, those are the, those are the things that we live in this constant, on a constant basis, a constant, making constant decision every single day to say, I am a new person. I'm putting on the new. This isn't the way God wants me to be. So I'm trusting in the Holy Spirit to be this new person. So I've put off the old. I've put on the new. I'm making these constant decisions to be in harmony with, um, with with the Holy Spirit. And then the last one is this, as I shared. It's reprogramming the way we think. It's reprogramming the way we think. Now, this is very critical. This is like, this is, abs- I think this is one of the most critical pieces of spiritual growth. 
Satan, and I've shared this with you before, Satan is the chief of all liars. He is a deceiver. We know exactly what he's about. He comes in, he tries to deceive. If our minds are not reprogrammed, if we don't stay reprogrammed in our thinking, we end up buying into his subtle traps. We end up becoming deceived. If we don't have someone over here that's walking with us, we buy into it. We start living out of our old self again. The next thing you know, we've just kind of, we're kind of off on, you know, we're, we're just off. Off. Reprogram the way we think. Listen to what Paul says. Classic passage of scripture. Romans 12 2. He says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform uh, you into it. As this translation says. Let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way that you think. You think there's times where you think wrong? Are there times... If you would just stop, you begin to realize this way of thinking over here is like a human, like a snap, old self human reaction versus saying, wait a second, that's not who I am. You take that thought, you, 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 um, take it into captivity. You allow the Holy Spirit to mold it and change it and, and to become something different. We become reprogrammed. We have this sense of renewing. We pray that God would give us a new set of eyes to see the way He sees. What would it be like if we had a prayer where we went to God in a humble, contrite position we said this, God, give me the eyes to see myself the way You see me. Give me the eyes to see myself the way You see me. Give me the eyes to see the world as You see it. Give me the eyes to look at individuals and, and know that they're hurting. So that I can, so that I can minister to them, or I could show them compassion, or I could understand them. Because a lot of times we just make a snap judgment, and then we act upon it, and it can be the furthest thing from the truth of, for a situation that's taking place. But being renewed, understanding that, you know what? This old way of life where I would just literally rip into someone and tear them down with my tongue, that's not our, that's not my way anymore. Where we recognize that and we, we uh, allow God to literally change us and transform us more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 3.3. 3. He planted this church in Galatia, okay? And when he went there and he planted this church, he set it up. And these people, these people understood, they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that he was preaching. And they accepted this free gift of grace and salvation. And they began to somewhat grow. He goes off and plants another church and then he hears a message about this church in Galatia, how they are fighting heresies now within the church, fighting false teachings, because what took place was after he left, there was some people that came into the church and said, whoa, 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 you this is the way you earn favor with God. This is the way you get salvation. This is how you do it. And Paul writes him a letter and he says this, what is going on? Listen to what he says in Galatians 3, 3. He says, you began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you're trying to make it complete by your own power. They reverted back to their old thinking. They went back to the way they used to think that says, well, if I keep these rules, if I do this, 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 and this, if I observe this custom, this tradition, this is what's going to get me closer to God. This is how I get salvation. This is how I go to heaven. And Paul says, what in the world happened? You put your faith into Jesus Christ and now you're going back to your old way of thinking. Reprogram yourself. 
Don't go back to that old way. Take those that old thinking into captivity and run it through the grid and allow the Holy Spirit to literally transform you into the into this new life. Guys, this is grace all the way. This isn't something where we can say as humans, I'll take care of this. It's like that's how we live our lives a lot of times is that we we live out of our own strength. Instead of taking these thoughts captive, instead of uh, instead of relying upon the Holy Spirit to transform us, instead of like really just living in this humble, contrite position before God, it's like we have this mentality where it's like, well, I'll just pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Right. And we believe this stuff. We hear it out there and we bring it in and we believe that that's how it happens. We believe at times that, you know, what the only thing that God can do, the only the, the power that God has that transforms our lives, we begin to think that we can do that ourselves. You've heard people say that many times. Some of you have may have said it before. How many of you have had the conversation with someone where you just kind of share with them? You say, man, would you would you be interested in coming to church with me? I can't do that. Well, why not? Because if I go in that church, the place will burn down. Right. And so they have kind of this guilty conscience. And, and then it becomes this this concept, this thought like, let me get myself cleaned up and then I'll go to church. If we had a dry erase board, that would be called theology, wrong theology 101. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ says this, you can't. There's no way that you can clean yourself up. You're, th- that's the gospel. The gospel says there's no way that you have the ability To clean yourself up. The only way that you can ever be clean is through the power of Jesus Christ. And in the Gospels, the good news is saying that he freely gives that to us through grace. So grace is literally, and this is where it's going to rub, is literally stepping back and saying, okay, here I am. Here I am. Now, some of us will say, what, we don't do anything now? That's not what I'm saying, because I believe there's that there's that harmony where we live within God's grace and God directs us and we become obedient. Right. There are things that God there are things that God that teaches us that if that if we coincide with his word, it transform it. You know, we, we we were transformed, but it's not by our doing. It's all by his. But it's literally receiving this sense of grace. And it's not saying, well, I'll get this taken care of before I come to church. I'm going to kick this habit before I can come to church. I'm going to do this before I can do it. That's impossible. It's going to God saying, God, here I am. And, and I, can't, I can't. There's nothing I can do. And God says, I love you. I love you so much that I, I, I will take it all on. I will do it. And we live in harmony with that. And we coincide with that. And we surrender to his truth and his love. That's what it means to grow spiritually. Do you see how we can get caught up in this backwards you see how easy it is for Satan to come along and say, whoa, wait a second. Wait a minute. This has to do with what you do. Don't listen to that grace garbage. Don't listen to that. In fact, there's other churches that really camp out on that grace stuff. You don't agree with that. It's about what you can do. And guys, let me tell you something. If we buy into that, that is a recipe for a horrible, dried out, religion of a life versus living in this 
this, this, the, the freedom of God's spirit, surrendering to him and allowing him to transform us from the inside out, bringing life and life to the fullest. That has everything to do with our prayer lives. Everything. You come into your war room and you're approaching God and you're saying, God, here I am. I don't deserve you whatsoever, but I just want to thank you so much for what you give me. I, the, the, the very thing that you do. Go back and read the Psalms. I love how the I love how when you read the Psalms with David, it's like he's in many of his Psalms, he'll start into this rant. okay? he'll start into this rant. And then by the time he gets about the middle of the Psalm, it turns around and there's just this. There's this incredible. Grace flowing love relationship just just emerges where God says, you know, I'm in a relationship, share it with me, unload on me, unload on me. And then God just takes it and he turns it. And there's this just this deep spiritual connection between him and God. And I think that's that's what we need to capture as we go into our prayer rooms, our war rooms, our prayer, wherever we wherever we pray. We go in with this humble, contrite spirit before God and we say, God, here I am, here I am. And I know that I I know that I I know that I tank at times. I know that I'm struggling with this or that. And we we, you know, we confess and we we give it to God. And God just loves us and we, we receive that. He doesn't condone it, but He receives it and he, he forgives us. And He gives us the strength to move on. I pray that um, this week you would just think about this more as you're in your small group. As the worship team comes back, I'm going to close it with a word of prayer. But I pray that as you leave here today that you would just spend some time thinking about this whole concept of grace. I think grace is one of those things that it's extremely hard to define. I mean, I think we can throw adjectives at it and, and kind of snapshot it. But I think grace is so hard to define because I think it goes against kind of it goes against what we it goes like against everything where we live in or we're influenced by. Right. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with this, but, uh, you know, and, and we've said it before in America and we, we believe this, you know, you need to work hard. Right. You need to work hard for what you got. And there's nothing wrong with that work ethic. The problem is, though, when that over comes over and starts oversaturating into our spiritual lives, that doesn't mean we don't live in coincidence with the Holy Spirit, which is very difficult at times, submitting to Him and surrendering to Him. But if it shifts more to this is what I'm doing and this is what I bring to the table, that's not going to work. That work ethic doesn't work. It's simp- it's receiving and, and, and trying to, to live in the grace of, uh, that God just so freely wants to give us. That unconditional love that He just wants to uh, exponentially shower us with. And I think that's what it makes it so difficult uh, and so easy for us to get deceived by Satan and then live in a, in a kind of a funk of a spiritual life uh, instead of this vibrant life uh, that we can have with Him. If you would, I ask you just please stand. And I want to close with a word of prayer, this portion of our service, and then um, as we sing a couple songs, I pray that you would just lean into them and allow God to just connect with you um, and just uh, just connect with you in a way that maybe you have not connected with him in a while. Father, I thank you for uh, reminding us once again of this the, this this gospel of your grace. And, and, and God, we get that it is very difficult when we start talking about it, when we start trying to articulate it, when we start trying to defi- define it. So often we can conjure up things that come from our old, our, our old self that define it, where we say, no, 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 it's got to be this way. And Father, I pray that we would just be able to come in before you and just humbly open up and receive 
from You uh, this message that You have for us. This message that is so beautiful of, of grace and love. And, and, and this, just this, this passion that you pursue us with. I pray that we would be individuals that would take off the old self. That we would put on the new. That we would not allow our minds to be um, conformed to what the world or how the world thinks. But our minds would be sharp and transformed by you. And so I pray that as we uh, close here with a couple more songs, that we might just continue to receive a word from you, that we might just live in that, and, we, and that we would respond to you the way you would have us to respond. And I pray all this in the powerful name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.